Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voices of Forestry podcast. I'm your host, Seth Stevenson, the Communications Coordinator with the Arkansas Forestry Association. And today, I'm joined by Robert Murphy, the Emergency Services Director with the Arkansas Department of Agriculture. And today, we're here to talk about wildfires. We've talked about prescribed fire. Now, we're going to talk about one that's uh, a little more out of control. So, Robert, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Seth. So, before we hop into the topic... Uh, people who listen to the show pretty regularly probably know what's going to happen now. But if you could just kind of give us an overview of who you are, what you do with the uh, Department of Agriculture. Okay, so I am the Emergency Services Director for the Arkansas Department of Agriculture. I work for the Forestry Division, uh, and I um, I coordinate the emergency support functions for the department. Uh, ESF-4, which is fire, and ESF-11, which is uh, agriculture and natural resources. Uh, but do that but my my day-to-day job is i supervise all the fire programs for the for the department for the for the division of forestry or forestry division um which include our rural fire Depo- uh rural fire division in uh in greenbrier which takes the federal excess pick uh trucks uh old military trucks and converts them to fire trucks for volunteer fire departments uh and then uh i'm over the uh, aviation department so we have a fleet of 14 fixed-wing aircraft that we use for for fire detection as well as uh surveying the state for insect and disease problems uh things like that um i'm over our dispatch center uh, so we have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week uh, dispatch center for dispatching us to wildfires. Uh, so I'm over that. And then I kind of maintain the fleet of firefighting equipment for the state as well. And I'm over our training program. So when we got all the – we've got uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 200 firefighters in the state. Oh, wow. So we've got to keep all those folks trained up. Yeah, so. yeah. And so you've got, you've got a nice umbrella of stuff I've got a big, yeah. wide variety of things that I can <laughs> – I, I, I take care of, yes. And now your background – or you and I first met when you were still with the – at the time, Forestry Commission, but now known as the Forestry Division. So your background is in forestry. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I started uh, I started with the, the Forestry Commission at the time in 2005. Um, I started out as a ranger, which is a, a bulldozer operator down mm-hmm. in the uh, south part of the state in Bradley County, which is where I'm from. So I started out there as a dozer operator, did that for about 18 months, and then – uh, took a job as a forester in Cleveland County and worked Cleveland and Jefferson County for a while. Uh, did that about seven years and then took a job as a district forester and worked as a district one district forester for four years and then got this position moved into this job. So, so essentially we've got the perfect fit of forestry and wildfire emergency services guy with us today. Well, I don't know saying? how perfect <laughs> it is, but I'm the best they could come up with anyway. Hey, we'll take it. We'll take it. All right. Well, Robert, um, like I said, today we're here talking about wildfire, and when I first reached out to you, kind of the big question that I had is, and it's a weird question now that I think about it, is asking you about wildfire seasons. Um, and we're getting pretty close. This is coming out in June, but we're getting pretty close to a wildfire season, right? Well, yeah, typically we have, uh, we have two kind of split seasons in the state. Uh, we just got through with what historically is our biggest season. Uh, so the spring fire season, uh, January, February, March, and April are our biggest fire months. March is actually uh, our biggest fire month historically. Um, we just finished that one up, and we'll start another one 
probably about the middle of August. So, okay. so we we run. We'll 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 have another little small run August, September, October, and depending on when the winter rains start, it can it can bleed over into November. But we'll we'll see how the weather holds. And so. I guess my, my question, I mean, why, why are these months so much worse? Or why are these the months that you guys kind of keep an eye out for compared to some of the other months? Well, spring, spring fire season, it, it coincides with, uh, with, with a little bit of dry weather. So February, we usually start getting dry cold fronts. We go through a, kind of a, a, a little droughty period or drier period. And you've got all the winter kill grass. All the leaves are on the ground from the trees. Um, everything's cured out and, and and dormant. So it just it provides a, a pretty good opportunity for for a lot of fuel on the ground mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of cured out fuels for fire to spread. So uh, fire burns not just in the woods very easily, but it burns across what would typically be hay pastures or. Or, or cattle pastures, uh, which are green in the summer and, and a lot into the fall, um, it burns across those as well pretty easily. So it just provides a, a really good opportunity in the spring. And then towards the end of summer, when we start getting our hot, dry periods, uh, uh, those uh, October and, and September and October are historically very dry months. And even though the grass, we're coming out of summer, it's green, things are starting to kind of think about going into dormancy for the fall. And if we're in a in a in a an extended drought or it's really hot and it's stressing the the vegetation out they can go dormant a little early and it 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 provides another opportunity for for some a lot of fuel to to be available for burning so i'm gonna ask you probably some um dumb questions i'll just be blunt uh but i i want to make sure that everyone is has this knowledge base moving forward in case we, we we need to build upon or uh, further discuss wildfires or anything in that kind of category. So bear with me if you don't okay. mind. Um, but I guess what exactly, when we're talking about a wildfire, what exactly are we talking about? What do you guys classify or I guess define a wildfire as? Well, it's it's any fire that's burning uncontrolled. So uh, when you talk about prescribed fire, uh, um, generally prescribed fire, there's uh, hopefully been some homework done. There's some, some, some fire lanes have been put in, some control lines have been put in to kind of hold that fire in the area that you want it to burn in. Uh, whether that's a, a four-acre f- burn or if you're the U.S. Forest Service, it could be a 4,000-acre burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <clears throat> there's, there's control lines or some kind of of something barrier there to stop the fire growth that you're you're expecting that fire to stop at um with a a wildfire it's it's just it's burning free and there's there there may be a road a mile ahead of it but who wants to give up that much ground if you can keep from it so the timber company don't want to lose that much timber the private landowner doesn't want to lose that much timber so um a wildfire is is just burning free and we we try to stop it so well yeah i know mile doesn't seem like that far but when there's a literal monetary value to what's on that mile yeah it's it's a whole other story it it can add up to lots of dollars really fast yeah and so when you guys this this may be a pretty broad question but when you guys are um i guess investigating these fires the the cause of these is there one major thing that you can kind of pinpoint or is it just an amalgamation of different sources when these so, things start? So the two biggest uh, causes of wildfire in the state and they they flip-flop sometimes but typically uh, um, 
what we call debris burning mm-hmm. is is the number one cause, which is basically just somebody, it could be somebody doing a control burn and they let it get out. Uh, it could be somebody burning just a, a pile of leaves in the yard and that got out. It could be a trash barrel that's that's burning and it gets out. So it's 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 uh it's caused from an intentional fire being set mm-hmm. uh, and then allowed to escape someone's control so that's debris burning okay and then um and then arson is usually our number two really cause for for fire in the state so uh it usually falls not not really close behind all the time but it's it's usually the number two leading cause of fire in our state interesting see i would have thought it was you know the classic flicking a cigarette out out the car window and it just happens to catch whatever it lands on well and, and a lot of people would uh, would would think that as well but actually the cigarette butt being flicked out the window is a very minor it's actually almost impossible for that to start a fire mm-hmm. i'm not going to say it is impossible but it, it's got to be i'm talking the perfect scenario for you to be able to flick a cigarette out the car window and it just start a fire on the side of the road hmm. it just almost never happens okay so when you guys get a call, I guess, is that how you usually learn about these wildfires? Is just by someone calling in to the, to the uh, dispatch center? Yeah, we get them reported either, um, either to a county 911 dispatch center, and then they report it to us. Uh, sometimes the volunteer fire departments are the first ones on the scene, and mm-hmm. they get it there, and they decide they can't handle it, so then they call us uh, through their dispatch center. But uh, the 911 systems in the counties and cities usually refer that to our dispatch. Sometimes they'll call our local rangers. They they tend to have pretty good relationships within the county, so sometimes they'll call our local rangers. Sometimes uh, we pick them up uh, that with that fleet of aircraft um, mm-hmm. when they're flying over the state. Uh, we we detect a lot of fires with those as well. Uh, so we, it may be just that that we picked it up. Mm-hmm. So it, it it happens in a variety of methods for us to learn about. So. I've got to assume, and that's dangerous doing that, but th- th- this has to be, when you go out to fight this, it has to be drastically different than, say, the local fire department rushing to a house fire. There's got to be a difference there, right? Well, it, there, there's a little difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, uh, number one, their, their number one weapon is water. Mm-hmm. Um, our number one weapon is a bulldozer, and, and that's what we use. Uh, so there's a couple different ways to fight fire. One is to... To, to cool it off with water and you take the heat away, you break the fire triangle, mm-hmm. you put the fire out. What we do typically is, is so there's a, what we call the fire triangle, there's heat, fuel, and, and air or oxygen. And you take one of those elements away and, and, and the fire goes out. So structure firefighters focus on the heat. We focus on the fuel. It's a whole lot easier to take uh, 200 acres and, and break the fuel. Mm-hmm. And when you put a break in the fuel, it, doesn't have anything to burn, so the fire goes out. Okay, okay. Now we're about to step into Smoky Bear territory, and, and okay. uh, I know this is stuff that people have probably most definitely heard in their school days from uh, from their local forestry divisions coming into their schools, but I guess what is the best way, when we're talking about landowners, uh, which is who kind of this podcast is generally aimed at, um, but what is the best way for landowners to maybe try to prevent something like this happening? Well, if you're talking about catastrophic wildfire, the, the best way you might've heard the old adage, the best way to fight fire is with fire. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the number one ways to, to, for a landowner to, to, 
to defend themselves against catastrophic wildfire, and that's to manage their property, to uh, to manage their timber uh, so that the forest is healthy, and then you know you can do control burns or prescribed fire to help reduce the fuel loading. So you go in every three, four, five years, however often you need to, and you run a controlled low intensity fire through your stand and burn all the the uh, the the fuel up, and then when a when a catastrophic fire comes towards your property if there's no fuel there or very little fuel to to burn up it just there's it's going to slow it down or at least it, it might not stop it but it'll reduce the intensity enough to to keep your land from 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 facing catastrophic loss anyway so that active management is just a excellent huge step to take yeah to active management is the key to, to healthy forest and healthy forest or fire resilient so we probably can't go this whole episode without mentioning some of the more recent wildfires we've just seen in the country. Um, even, heck, even outside of the country, when we're talking like California wildfires yep. and the Australia wildfires. Um, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but one of the big causes of some of those fires, or the reasons that they were so big and lasted for so long, was a lack of active management. That is, is that right? exactly right. That's one of the biggest problems. Uh, out west um, is is lack of management. So whenever whenever the 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 timber is allowed to get uh, over overly dense, uh, and you've got a lot of dead down woody fuel on the ground, because if we don't thin the forest, the forest will thin itself. Mm-hmm. And when we thin it, we take all that off and we use it for pulp, or 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 we use it for chips, for fuel wood, for 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 providing electricity somewhere or, or we use that wood somewhere else but when nature thins itself out all that wood is left and and it's on the ground it's it's out there it's available for fire so when a fire comes through it just burns that much hotter that much more intense and it's that much harder for us to put it out and i think as unfortunate as some of those events were and and the damage that it caused i think they are good learning lessons moving forward for both people in the west in the central part of the country and even in the east you know to look at places like this and say okay what can we do to be better what can we do to move forward and what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again right so i think they're good ways good things to at least point at and say this is what can happen if it's not actively managed correct those are very good examples of Mm -hmm. what happened so when you guys are out there trying to break this fire triangle um what are some of the uh, you said is it bulldozer the biggest technique that or i guess tool that you guys that's have the biggest tool that we use yeah. um of course we also um during the the higher uh fire currents periods that we have we have a uh, we have a contract with a single engine air tanker service um which are our single engine fixed wing aircraft mm-hmm. uh, they're basically just think crop duster um, they that's it's the same aircraft that they use for spraying in most of the delta um, they're just instead of having spray equipment on them they have uh, what's called a fire gate on it so mm-hmm. they they drop water and if you've watched the news and watched them fight fire out in california you probably saw uh, one of their big planes what we call a v-lat which is a very large air tanker uh, you see those dropping fire. It's just a smaller version. Mm-hmm. So we do use those um, when we need to, especially if we're protecting a structure or something like that. They come in really handy for that kind of work. Um, so we have a contract.
contract with those. We don't actually own them, but we contract with them. Uh, so we have them twice a year during two different periods. Uh, those fire seasons that we talked about, those heavier fire current seasons, uh, we have access to those. Uh, and then um, we are, are kind of getting into some newer technology to help us out. We've got the fixed wing aircraft that we can do detection with or we can do aerial surveillance with while we're on a fire. But we just purchased, um, I believe, 10 uh, infrared-capable drones. Um, so we're, we're getting ready to put those in the field. We're doing training for folks right now, hoping to get those in the field by this fall fire season. Mm -hmm. uh, we got one in the field earlier this year. And uh, kind of found it ironic they come and picked it up. And the very first day they had it, they had a fire that afternoon and were able to use it on the fire that day. Well, of course, of course. Um, so, uh, so those are some new things that we're getting into. And, and, and the drone business is it's not cheap. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, they're, they're not extremely expensive. They don't cost anything like a bulldozer. But, but uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get into that business. Anything we can find technology-wise to make our jobs safer and more efficient is what we're going to try to take a look at. So. Well, and that was going to be my next question was, I guess, how different is it having access to some of this technology compared to, you know, doing this previously? Is, is there a big difference or is there even a difference at all? Well, and, and that remains to be seen a little bit. I can see us being far more efficient, not just in, in, in how we staff a fire, but but where those or how many people we put on a fire, but how we put those people on the fire. Mm -hmm. So any kind of intelligence that we can gather with that drone to say, hey, there's a, you know, we put a bulldozer in a place and, and, and maybe you put the drone up and you figure out there's an ATV trail. Uh, somebody's got a deer stand and there's an ATV trail they got beat out. Well, we can plow and, and open that ATV trail up far faster than we can punch our own hole mm -hmm. through, a, for, through a pine plantation. So... Any kind of that intel makes us more efficient and, and, and better firefighters. So, so it just comes down to the tactics of yeah. it all, just about. Yeah, so. it comes down to the intelligence. How much, the more you know, the better off you are. Okay. So it, it comes down to gathering more information and, and, and allowing our folks to make better decisions on the fire. So you, you mentioned earlier uh, when we were kind of introducing who you were that you, you assist with the education of uh, your folks to go out and fight these fires. Yep. What is, I mean, what does all of that entail? What does the education to do something like this look like? So we have, um, we have standards. Th so there's a, uh, an entity called the National Wildfire Coordination Group, mm -hmm. uh, NWCG. Um, and they have a, a curriculum for uh, a national standard that all firefighters across the state or across the nation can take if you want to be certified to go out west so we have a lot of our folks that go out west and fight fires mm -hmm. um, so if you want to do that you have to maintain yourself to a certain standard of education and and we use those programs to to educate our firefighters just like uh, mississippi does just like oklahoma does any just like california does mm -hmm. i mean we're, we're taking the same classes um using the same curriculum and, and it, it it helps create a uh, um, an environment where folks can move from Arkansas to California and and be able to fight fire and understand what they're doing and even though we speak different languages <laughs> uh, you know it seems like anyway uh, we understand that same we're using the same terminology mm -hmm. to talk about the same things and it it just provides a, a continuity across the nation for firefighters. And now, are most of your firefighters, are they consist 
consistent of forestry division folks or are these actual like volunteer fire department people or who who does this so we 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 employ uh, around 200 firefighters in the forestry division okay um and those are scattered across the state in uh and and i'm going to get the number wrong but like 65 different county offices okay uh and it may be 63 i don't remember which but we have them scattered across the, the state in 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 most counties have an office in them except for the delta counties there's a few delta counties that don't have offices in them um, but anywhere there's a timbered part of the county we have we have an office in those counties so those folks are scattered across the state Mm -hmm. and are ready to respond to fires in their county or wherever we need them to go okay so they're they're just about all over the place yeah and then and of course we have the volunteer fire departments that we help uh in the in in the the counties and and we rely heavily on them as Mm -hmm. one of our partners to help uh us maintain and 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 well, help us fight fires, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So. Yeah. Okay. Now, another dumb question for you as we kind of start nearing the, the finish line here. Let's say I'm a landowner, and I am one of the unfortunate folks who had a wildfire move through. You guys came out, put it out. What does that, what does a wildfire, I guess, do to my land? What, is, what does my land look like now? What do I need to do, I guess, well, going it, forward? It, it's going to depend on the intensity. Mm-hmm. I mean, 90 Seven ninety-eight percent of the fires that 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 we go to, uh, maybe even more like ninety-nine percent of the fires we go to, you're perfectly fine. You okay. don't have to do anything. Yeah. Um, now, if it's a catastrophic wildfire, we have those occasionally. We've been in a really wet period here over the last uh, about nine years. It's been <laughs> since we had a real fire season. Mm-hmm. Um, so. We haven't had one of those really catastrophic fires in, in a in a while. But when when we do, then it's you know it can be anywhere from a total loss to you pretty much have to go in and start over, or uh, or you know maybe it's it's just a, a patch. But mm-hmm. you know there's you can do some. The markets really aren't there now to do a whole lot of salvaging, but you can try to salvage what's there and then start all over. It just depends on the the type of fire that runs through. So it's, it, it could be the best thing to do is call a forester and get mm-hmm. them to come look at it after it happens and work with a professional to help you figure that out. And I guess maybe that's where I was trying to get to in a very <laughs> roundabout way was that if you do have a fire, it's not the end of the world. No, it is a catastrophic fire, which seems very rare. And yeah, they, they don't happen very often. Yeah. Here. Especially with the amount of rain we've had just recently. Yeah. Um, but there is a way you can bounce back. It's not that bad. And it all comes back to what we've talked about countless times on this show, getting a professional out there to help you, you know, ask questions, help figure out what needs to happen next. Yes, yeah, that is correct. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, that's that's good to know. Uh, maybe a little reassurance. That doesn't mean folks go out there and, you know, start burning up leaves and burning up trash in a barrel and, you know, walk away from it. It just means that if something were to happen... It's okay. Everything's yep. going to be fine. It's going to be all right. Good, good. Well, Robert, I guess, is there anything else that uh, we need to discuss or anything else you think people might need to know before we kind of start wrapping up the episode here? Smokey says don't play with matches. There we go. Again, <laughs> I said we were getting close to Smokey territory, yep, so there we go. might as well bring in uh, some, of, some of his wise words yeah. of wisdom. Yeah, so. I'm not Sam Elliott, so I can't <laughs> get the only you can prevent forest fires. Dang. 
<laughs> well, we'll try to see if we can reach out to Mr. Elliot and get a nice little VO for us there for this go. episode. Uh, well, Robert, hey, man, I appreciate you coming out here and talking with us. I know you've got a busy schedule, uh, and it's only getting busier. Yeah. But <laughs> thank you. Thank you for stopping by. Yeah, I really thanks, Seth. It. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And we want to thank you guys, as always, for stopping by this month and listening to our show here. Um, like always, we want to make sure we give a special thank you to some guy named Rob slash Rob McCormick for the use of our theme song, The Same Love, and that's off of his album, The Folkster. You can find more of his music in a link to his website below, or you can just go to Spotify and search for some guy named Rob, and you'll find a lot of his stuff there. And if you want more information about the Arkansas Forestry Association, you can visit arcforest.org. That's A-R-K-F-O-R-E-S-T-S dot org. And we'll be back next month with a new topic, a new discussion, and a new voice of forestry. (laughs) 